What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Hey guys, welcome in to the latest OBR Film Breakdown podcast here on Blue Wire Podcast Network, brought to you by FanDuel. It is your Thursday, now December 1st episode. Hopefully you've had a great November as we turn the page to December. The Browns organization is also turning the page to what is the future of their quarterback position. That's Deshaun Watson. There are going to be two linked articles in the description of this podcast. First will be Pete Smith, who is our guest. His article on the Browns Digest website, uh, breaking down some things he thinks will change about the Browns offense uh, potentially starting this weekend. And then I also linked the one that I posted today at the OBR with the similar stuff. I'm looking at his 2020, what he did well, and what changes they can implement to um, make this whole thing work. So uh, there's a lot to chew on here. And I and I think, Pete, you and I will talk beyond just the article. But first of all, welcome in, and uh, we appreciate your time, man. Oh, thanks for having me as always. Yeah, let's let's dive right into this thing. So what I would say, you know, walk me through your basic premise of things you think are coming. We know what the Browns have been. We know what they are. They're a gap run team that does some vertical stretch concepts down the field off of the gap run scheme stuff. Really don't sprinkle in many other things. They do some pen pull, which has been their most effective run concept since the bye. They do their wide zone stuff at a diminishing rate as the season has worn on. And really, um, their bootleg stuff off of it has diminished a little bit, too. But we have a feel for who they are. They're not a screen team in terms of wide receivers. They've upticked a little bit of tight end screens, a little bit of running back screens. That's about it. There's some stuff here we're going to talk about with Watson that they don't do much of. And I kind of want to dig in with your coaching background and thoughts on implementation of some of these things that are kind of outside of Stefanski's umbrella. So walk me through your article from the angle of what you're looking at as potential things that we'll see different this uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, so when the Browns brought in Deshaun Watson, they sort of sold him on some things they wanted to do uh, to sort of cater to his strengths. And, and like you, I went back and looked at what he was doing with the Houston Texans, and there were some things that were evident. They, they run things like zone, read stuff, um, occasionally some option – and then they, they do some other things that the Browns had already been doing, like, uh, well, I should say, had been doing with Baker Mayfield with the, the zone stretch play action, which caters to Deshaun Watson's feet. It gets it moving. It limits the gives him a half-field read. And, you know, obviously more so than Baker, if they don't account for him, he's just going to pick up free first downs. So you look at it through this lens, like, 
how do the Browns sort of incorporate what Watson does in addition to the things they already have? And the read stuff is obvious. The Browns have been running a bunch of stuff that looks like it should have a read component already. And for whatever reason, which I always found a little strange, they didn't have Brissett do it. And it's, I, I, you know, for as much as he did with his legs, he made so many big plays with his legs. Other than quarterback sneak, it was never designed. He, he was treated like a old school, like statue quarterback for the most part, who could occasionally do some stuff and, and break out of structure. But they really wanted him to throw from what I would, you know, 60 protection or, or, or three-step, five-step, seven-step type stuff rather than having him go on the move. And I think some of that is, you know, he's sort of a trebuchet quarterback. He's not – I don't think he's a really good thrower on the move, but it was it, it still stuck out, whereas Deshaun Watson's a very dynamic athlete on the move. He can throw on the move. He's got good strength on the move in addition to his, his threats with his legs. So it naturally leads itself to things that the Browns are already showing, even if they're not doing it which is the zone stuff, which is going to make Nick Chubb's life a whole lot easier because you have to have a defender account for the zone read and potentially more if they if they introduce RPOs off of that stuff, which is really easy to do if you just have a receiver threaten a little bit. So now it's potentially multiple defenders that, just, that Nick Chubb now doesn't have to worry about. Uh, as far as the zone stretch stuff, I sort of already covered it. And then the other part is, look, most offenses – you can sort of say the more motion your offense has, the better you are. Motion is useful for a whole lot of things. Motion is good for revealing coverages, you know, and, and that type of stuff. In addition to just potentially creating numbers, advantages and angles and all that stuff, what the Browns have gotten into lately, and I don't think this is a coincidence is using orbit motion, which is really difficult to defend and gives you a whole lot more options. And specifically, that orbit motion includes one Anthony Schwartz. And for the people who have not liked Anthony Schwartz, obviously he had a really productive game Sunday. But one of the main reasons that the Browns have never thought about getting rid of Anthony Schwartz is because they love what he can do for Deshaun Watson. And I know you've talked about this when we, when we drafted it, when the Browns drafted Schwartz, and I talked about this. He's obviously somebody they want to have a, be a deep threat. Deshaun Watson had a whole lot of success with that with Will Fuller. But what Will Fuller wasn't was a jet player where you are constantly having him do things, whether it's jet motion, orbit motion, or whatever, to force the defense to adjust because Anthony Schwartz is really freaking fast. And just having him jet across is stressful because he's so fast. Now you add an orbit motion where he could potentially go all the way around now force potentially linebackers or corners or whatever to have to come to him, or you just reverse field, and again, you're challenging rules of the defense. And all of this, and I didn't really cover this too much in my in what I wrote, but I plan to, is it makes it really hard for defenses to run certain things that they've been running. And you look no further than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Buc- Buccaneers were really happy to run a whole lot of man one. They had one free safety back, and they played a whole bunch of tight coverage uh, on on the receivers. You cannot do that against Deshaun Watson without anything I just mentioned. He's just too good. But it also makes it really hard, and and, and zero is even even a worse idea. But 
because of Deshaun Watson's feet, it's really hard to now run two man, which is what a lot of teams have to do because what is so popular in the NFL with quarterbacks who can run and Watson certainly in that category is if you play two man and you've got your corners eyes on receivers and everything else and your safety split the field, there is a ton of space in the middle of the field. And Jalen Hurts is great at this. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, these are all guys who will just go, oh my God, the field's wide open. I'm going to go get 15 yards, get a free first down, and we can do the whole thing over again. So that's just sort of a sampling of the things that the Browns have already showed they can do that Watson's fits, what it does to help Nick Chubb primarily. And I would add into that, you you sort of touched on this. The Browns have been running a whole lot more gap stuff, which is sort of in vogue in the NFL. Uh, people are taking advantage of their big linemen and just beating up on smaller guys, and including the Browns have been victims of this, but they use it. I, I, I do think, though, that the presence of, Wash, uh, of, of Watson is going to make their just traditional zone, uh, that wide zone scheme, more deadly because of all the other things we've already talked about. Watson's presence should make the defense play back further. Watson's presence should make it more difficult for guys to just sort of uh, to to play up and be able to be as aggressive as they are because they have to to worry themselves to worry about the threat of Watson. So it just changes everything and just makes everything the Browns do more dangerous simply by having him step on the field. Yeah, and, and what's fascinating about the wide zone branching stuff is that you don't always have to play action and boot back the opposite direction. What Houston did a good job job of and what you're talking about here a little bit and what I tried to put clips of, they they ran wide zone path run run action, right? I, I talk about it all the time, difference between play action and run action. Run action, everybody's committed to selling run, play action, typically your five O linemen, four or five sometimes, most of the time all five are just sort of pass setting and you get a backfield flash fake meant to just spot hold a second level defender for a couple seconds to open up a vertical alley or whatever. When you do that wide zone stuff, you're talking about Pete, which is a great example of the backside guys hanging on maintaining. That could be a backside overhang defender, a walked up nickel, an outside linebacker or an edge defender, whoever is responsible given that scheme They're usually at this point in the season, and even with Baker, especially his injuries impacted 2020, uh, sorry, 2021, they were crash players. They were playing down the line in extra body. They were all the time there. Occasionally, the Browns could take advantage of it, but really not that often. The same could be said for this year. I tried to highlight a play just the other day on Twitter where it's pretty obvious Carl Nassib does a great job getting down the line, taking, taking that away. And if you pull it, it's pretty obvious to see that there's quite the opportunity to gain some yards. So. I think that is a huge part of it, yes. And on top of that, what Houston did, and I hope Cleveland does, and they've sprinkled it in a little bit from Kevin, but not a ton, is wide zone action and then putting your left foot, if you're going to the right, your left foot in the ground and straight dropping, or if if your quarterback's striving to your left, flipping the hips and turning back and getting set up on a straight drop. Some teams will take a center or uncovered guard and peel back, sell wide zone for a step or two and peel back. But what that does is it still maintains the ability for your course of your running back. You know, what the the additional layer there does is it still maintains the course for the running back. We've talked about it on this pod. I know you've covered it too, the three-path course, which if it's outside zone, you can either bounce it, bang it up inside, or bend it to the backside. 
What you're trying to do is hold those defenders. But what you're trying to do by holding those defenders is adding an extra element of what you could do off of that play fake. Oh, they're not just going to boot back to me every time. They might straight drop off that. And if I hesitate for even a split second, Watson's comfortable with hanging in there, letting a downfield deep crosser over whatever develop, and then delivering that while taking a hit. So that element, I hope, gets in. I kind of wrote up in mind, there's some easy stuff that translates, the empty stuff. Kevin is a West Coast empty guy who loves to take advantage of horizontal stretches and zone coverage. It's a huge part of who he is. He's been taking the easy stuff. Uh, since, um, if I'm looking at the data right, since the, his arrival in 2020, the Browns are eighth in the NFL in empty dropbacks. So they have a significant number of them, 704 uh, of those empty dropbacks. Uh, which is a lot, right? So they've been using it with Baker. They've been using it with Brissett. And I would imagine it continues with Deshaun. Deshaun is fourth in the NFL in his last season, 2020, in uh, EPA per drop back and empty, highly successful vertical throw stuff off of it too, not just the, the horizontal stuff. But that to me is an easy translation. And your point with the two-man and the running gaps that can come off of that, all very easy fits. Those are things I think come natural. The, the empty stuff will be a part of who they are. It will continue. The backside dig stuff, I talk about it all the time, right? I would love a quarterback who can hang in with comfort, read a frontside concept, throw a backside dig. Put that in there because I think he'll do that. He's done it. He's put it on tape as recently as his most recent game in 2021 when the calendar flipped over. What I think gets really interesting is some of the things that he's extremely successful at, but the Browns just don't flat out do. They just don't. Now, this is Kevin's background, his Kubiak tree, all of that. I'm, I'm very curious, Pete if they will bend on some of their philosophical scheme rules that they like to do. So, for example, we're talking about read option RPO stuff. Normally that's paired with inside zone just because it's a very easy double team downhill concept that can take advantage of doubles to climb to backers, especially backers who are worried about either a quarterback pull and run or a quarterback throw right off of that. They've only run 60 true inside zone scheme runs since the start of Kevin's tenure in 2020. That's by far the fewest in the NFL. The Rams are the 31st ranked team. They've run it 143 times. At the top of that totem pole is the Eagles, who have run it uh, 519 times. So most often, sometimes some some um, difference in, in variation in the stuff up front, but most often teams pair RPO stuff with inside zone. Okay, so that's going to be different. Another thing is just RPOs in general. Kevin doesn't run them. He's run six of them since his arrival in 2020. I'm talking six total over all three years. That's a big deal, right? Hasn't done them. Can they implement them? They're not rocket science, and I'm going to talk to you about that here in a second, but that's not many. He only ran four with the Vikings in his OC tenure in 2019, so he doesn't have a ton of them. So my, my first question is we look at the things that are going to be different because this is, I think, a thing that's going to be different, and we'll get to RPOs and read options uh, more so in terms of the teaching here, but like how hard do you think that is for your guy? I don't think it's hard. Let me put it this way. Uh, I don't think it's hard to teach a guy to run a skinny post or run a jet route, uh, jet wheel, right? I don't think it's hard to do very many of those things. You're tied in to run a flat or slice, you know, run that slice path and sneak under the read key and slide to the flat. That's easy. The receivers can handle it. Where I am concerned is two areas, Pete. First is the mesh stuff because you're coming into a season where you have not had any mesh read stuff with Nick really for three seasons. Kareem's been here, what, this is year three for Kareem, year four for Nick. He didn't have any of that stuff really with Hugh and Haley. Uh, and Kitchens had a little bit, but not much. So you're talking about that, which is an interesting dynamic. And then you're talking about the offensive line, which is a difference in this stuff between offenses in college and pro and high school. That one-yard halo rule, 
which is a challenge, right? Because you cannot go further than one yard downfield, loosely called, not always perfect, but you can't go further than one yard downfield when these RPO schemes are thrown. If you're past that one yard downfield, it's going to be an illegal man downfield and everything comes back and you lose the down and all that not fun stuff. So I think what I'm asking you here is how hard do you think it will be to implement it? Because they ran some really intricate stuff in Houston that 2020 season, like jet motion, wheel, post, backside crosser with the front side flat route tied into it. If you want to see these concepts, I put the videos in my article. But, I mean, you can do even more simplistic two-back RPO stuff where you're sliding, cross-bucking them and sliding one guy to the flat. Um, And you can do some simple slice RPO stuff, which is just the tight end sliding out to the flat. They did it a ton of different ways. But what my point is, I'm kind of concerned how they will do that because of the lack of exposure to it uh, and Kevin's kind of lack of teaching that stuff at an early point. I, I, I just am curious if you think it's going to be something that they implement very much this year or if they need that full offseason and a whole OTA reshuffle, like we're going to implement this as a part of our identity type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like how, 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 how challenging do you think that'll be? Uh, I think it just depends on 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 what we're talking about. I think if you're talking about basic replays, I would be shocked if we don't see at least a little bit of that against Houston. May, and maybe may, I, uh, maybe they wait until Cincinnati because it's not hard to do. I mean, it like the play you posted, and I saw it with that uh, with with Carl Nassib chasing me down the back end. He has to, all he has to do is pull it. They don't have to change a thing on that play other than he pulls the ball. That shouldn't be difficult to do it. And I get the mesh part, but that isn't, you know, super intricate or anything else. He's just going to pull it and go. Uh, I am not super worried about the offensive line part only because the Browns run a ton of screen stuff and you get into the same rules. You get into the same challenges. And we've seen this yeah. with Brissett where – he, you know, the Browns have gotten called on penalties because, like, he had to pump it, or he didn't trust what he saw, or whatever, and they get a penalty. It's the same concept. It's the same clock as if it were a screen. So that shouldn't be too difficult. And there are some interesting ways you can sort of play around that. You can obviously pin and pull to try to, you know, if if you've got one guy kicking out and another guy pulling around it's harder to get downfield if you're doing those things because obviously they're going laterally and you can sort of flatten your path a little bit on the down block uh, to, to try to do some of those things. So that part doesn't worry me. I'm more worried about the skill guys and the intricacies of that. So I think you could see some simplified stuff and, and then you can add into that like the two back stuff and some of the other stuff they can incorporate that, is two back without actually, you know, having two backs in the backfield, for example, if they go orbit motion and that is the second back. Um, that I could see being done very lightly and it would be pretty basic stuff. And a lot of that would probably be almost predetermined uh, on, by the play call. In other words, there's not really a read. It just looks like a read and the defense is supposed to think it's yeah. a read. Likewise, you know, and, and you heard this and thankfully we've gotten away from this with commentating is you know they start calling play action RPO because they pulled a guard you know and it's it was never a read it just happened to be play action and they pulled somebody so they go oh it's an RPO so it doesn't take much 
to sort of sell and plant the seed oh, that, oh, they can do some of this stuff. L- likewise, like if you were going to do, a, you know, a basic, let's say counter, you know, counter with a read attached, and then you've got a receiver who essentially just runs a bubble or, you know, inside or outside. That shouldn't be super complicated, but I get it. You don't want to try to do that in four days. Um, so it really comes down to, I think, for the Browns, it's about picking their battles and figuring out the things they can implement the quickest that's going to have the most effect. For me, I think that's just basic read stuff. For me, I think that's having the threat of Watson um, just being able to pull the ball because that in itself will change so much of what teams can do. Like I said, you can't – if you want to try to play tight man coverage against that, that's fine – but then you get these Jalen Hurts type runs where there's nobody to account for him and all the corners are looking at receivers and suddenly he's running free for 20 yards. That to me, it really just comes down to starters and, you know, trying to to break out of stalls and the stuff that, you know, against the Buffalo Bills, they, they, they score on the first drive, they score a touchdown, and then it's eight drives before they score another touchdown. This past week, they score a touchdown on the opening drive, and it's nine drives before they score another touchdown. I think some of that read stuff can just sort of get them started, get them out of a you know a slog type environment, and get them a little juice going without having to sort of really have a massive install that it's something they can put in in a, in, in a couple days or, or, or three practices or whatever it is. Yeah, there's certainly a difference in RPO types, right? Because the, the reflat wheel stuff is, it's double layered. You're talking about some RPO stuff that is almost pre-snap determined, where it's either alignment determined or it's first step determined, which those are uh, obviously have their effectiveness, right? They're, those are fine. And those are easier to implement, right? Uh, to your point there, counter power with a bubble paired backside or a, a slip screen paired backside or whatever, uh, That those are highly effective yet very simple. The stuff that they were doing with the Texans in 2020 was that's difficult no, because yeah, what he, it, it is like that. What he's doing is reading the end first. So he's deciding if the end crashes, I'm going to pull it. And then I'm working outside. I'm on the move outside. And then I have to make a three tiered throwing decision. Do I want the wheel? I'm reading the corner. Does he chase the wheel? Does he squat to hold down the flat? Because he's maybe in a cover two or cover six concept is the, is the safety to, uh, you know, jumps inside on the mesh point, and then I can hit the skinny post. There's a lot to that. I think that is trickier, but it's trickiest for the quarterback. So if Watson is still dialed in mentally, maybe he can handle it. I just have a hard time seeing the Browns go from, hey, we're not running any RPOs, period, to just, boom, we're going to throw 15 RPO concepts first game against the Texans. Hell, maybe they are. I don't know, but I just have a hard time envisioning that. So uh, I think this is – uh This is really productive. I think there's a lot of stuff that ties in here. I want to take a quick break and then come back and talk about how it affects other people, not the quarterback coming back here, focusing on him. We've kind of covered what we think they're going to do, but the other side of this thing. So we'll uh, we'll be right back. Hey, guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus, right? Get $100 in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. 
I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app. Ohio, it's your chance to get in on the action. Join today. Again, promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer, 21 and older. You'll be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So the common response, Pete, when you talk about Watson coming back is, well, can he play linebacker can he play dt can he play defense is he going to cover kicks and i get that it's totally totally fair to look at the offense which has been by most metrics uh, top 10 offense right um and, and jacoby has performed admirably and look at it and say well they don't need that to fix it but it has an impact on everything and i think what you and i should talk about here before we go is how it affects everything because in my opinion you said it earlier, right, where you get in these slogs and you, you can't figure out a third and eight. Maybe you got a third and 11 before, but you can't get this third and five or four or whatever. The Browns are looking to extend drives, and that extension of drives happens in so many different ways. Maybe because your second down run isn't shut down, second and three isn't shut down because somebody has to honor it on the backside, right, or has to be held accountable as a read key, or Deshaun which is the biggest reason they like him above everything else. He can do a lot of things well, but at the root of him, and it's the same with Mahomes, and I'm not saying he's on Mahomes' level or some of these other levels of Allen right now, but what I am talking about is the core of what they can do. 
the scheme, Kevin talked about it last week. He said, I don't call plays for, for, for scheme. I call them for players, things that you're putting your guys in the right position to succeed. And that's great. You do it all the time. That's how you should always angle your play call, your design, everything. But the defense has paid money too. And sometimes those guys solve things, right? They take away the scheme's answers. They take away your best player with a double team or they cover them up with a, you know, a high-low concept with a, with a bracket. They do those things too. They get paid money. So the guys who are, who are really difficult to stop and who make the most money in the league are the guys who can create when the creation has to happen because the defense has taken it away. And that's an element that Watson provides. And from that, stems your defense getting off the field more and for longer duration, so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm curious, some of the things I've mentioned, but I know you have off air said some things too. And then I want you to expand a little bit, Pete, on how it impacts other players on the offense that aren't thought of, but ultimately, yes, defense and specials too, because you can't just look at Watson and put him next to Jacoby Brissett and say 1A, 1B, and this is it. No, there's more to this thing, right? Yeah, like you go back to the Buffalo Bills game, and you could, you could, I mean, Tampa, Tampa is a good example too, but Buffalo really stands out. Um, Jacoby Brissett played well. He threw for, and it snuck up on me at the time when it was like, holy crap, 324 yards and three touchdowns because of how ineffective they were for so much of that game. But part of that is born out of the fact that the defense is saying, no, we're going to stop Michael Jordan in Nick Chubb. Scottie Pippen can go can get some points. And that is what Jacoby Brissett is in that equation. They're going they are set, every defense that the Browns are playing is saying Nick Chubb is not going to beat us. Jacoby Brissett is going to have to sustain and be great a long time. And you know, over the course of the season, he has trouble understandably because he's not, you know, a premier quarterback, he's he's a good solid quarterback of just continuing to 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 extend drives long enough. He can get a first down, two first downs. Can he get five first downs? Can he get all the way down the field if the if the defense is saying we're we're taking this away? And the fact of the matter is that they that he couldn't. You know, and that's Unfortunate, and and a guy like what you know, it's like taking Patrick Mahomes off the field and saying, "Here's Jacoby Brissett. Here's Jacoby Brissett level play." Are the Chiefs the best team in the AFC? No, they're not. But that doesn't mean they you know they wouldn't be bad. They would be okay. They'd probably be in the playoff chase. But it's the difference between having a premier quarterback and having a pretty good to good level quarterback. Be uh, you know. Taking that to the next step, like, and that is part of it. Nick Chubb represents consistency. Nick Chubb is the the key uh, to 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 having those drives. So if you go back to twenty twenty when they made the playoffs, you know they were able to keep teams off balance enough that it was really hard for them to commit enough guys. And Nick Chubb was generally able to finally figure out a way to 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 make it happen and create enough plays, keep drives going, and score points. Um, with Watson in the mix, let's talk about defense first. Like I said, you cannot play tight man coverage against a quarterback like this because if you're wrong and, uh, you know, let's say it's a safety or one linebacker or maybe a backside end and they don't make that tackle, suddenly it's off the races. So what you're going to get coverage-wise, they can still play man. It's just going to be off man. And it's going to be a lot of stuff. I think you're going to see a whole lot more match 
and you're going to see a whole lot more read. And what I mean by read is, and the Browns have done this quite a bit uh, during uh, during Joe Wood's tenure, is they basically let the, the 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 offense dictate the matchups. They come off the line of scrimmage, depending on what they do. The DBs talk. They say, "I'm you know based on what they're doing, they're they're communicating. I've got him. You've got him." I think you have to do that against a guy like Watson because the DBs not only have to be able to to figure out what the receiver is doing, but they have to at least have some sense of what is going on in the backfield. Because again, if they're just straight man and they just turn and run, they're opening themselves up to getting gashed. And obviously with that, you're going to see a lot more zone coverage for the same reasons. Offensively, like I said, you, I, I keep harping on a guy like Schwartz. Schwartz puts stress on a defense. And even when he had, you know, he has 264 career yards and two touchdowns in, you know, a year and a half. And the defense has to account for him every single play. They just have to. And people will be like, why is he on the field? And you go back to last year and all the issues they had. When Anthony Schwartz was on the field, the defense had to play further back. When he was off the field, when he suffered that ridiculous concussion, arguably the worst hit I saw all year, the defense was it, it played like they were in the red zone. Suddenly they were creeped up on the line of scrimmage. There was no space. The Browns had no real speed, and Nick Chubb got clogged up a whole lot. So the ability to move Schwartz around, again, it challenges your rules. It reveals coverages. It's going to give Deshaun Watson advantage in that sense. But because of things like orbit motion – you can potentially give him the ball or just use him as a decoy as, as part of a fake that the defense now has to account for which again is going to open up some things. It's going to give you some seams. It's going to give you some options. We saw this past week, the, you know, one against the Miami dolphins or no, the, the Buffalo game, the bills used orbit motion to absolutely confuse the hell out of the Browns defense near the goal line. They completely blew their rules and ended up leaving Stefan Diggs wide open. Orbit motion caused the problem, challenged the rules of their defense, it left them wide open. The Browns incorporated that against Tampa. They sent shorts on orbit motion and actually reversed back. They go from the right side of the field to the left, and then he reverses course and goes back to the right. Corner has to widen out to account for him. They snap the ball. Nobody's on Omari Cooper for an easy six-yard gain because that's what has to happen. Likewise, they come back and they run orbit motion going right to left. And in this case, nobody picks up Schwartz at all. He gets an easy reception, makes one guy miss, and he's about three steps and it's 17 yards. Those are ways to sort of break break things open. And by the way, Anthony Schwartz on that play and then on the re- – obviously he scored on the reverse, but those two plays were both on scoring drives. They only scored three touchdowns in the game. Those plays were, again, those tendency breakers, those – Ability to 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 get out of a tough spot or find a way to challenge the defense in a way you otherwise haven't been. You know, the Browns play; they do a lot of motion stuff, but a lot of it's pretty predictable. Like when they want to trade the tight end and, and slide, you know, a guy into the backfield, like that's their bread and butter. It's effective. Um, the Bengals have yet to figure it out, but um, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you, you can sort of see it coming. But that Schwartz element or you know, let's say they go two back, you know, and I, the other formation, I tend to think that's going to wait a while. It's going to be pistol. I think that's one of those things that takes more time than, than some of the other stuff they can do. But let's just say it's, 
you know, traditional, you know, three receivers set with two in the backfield. Um, you can now motion the backs all over the place from the backfield or to the backfield. And again, it's another element that you have to, you have to account for because if let's say they, you know, I don't know if it'll be hunt, but he used to, he, he, I would expect to see the, this type of thing against the Ravens because he gives the Ravens fits. But if you put Kareem Hunt out wide, or you could do it with Chubb, and he motions to the backfield, all of a sudden you have to go, is he blocking or is this going to be some sort of read element? And it becomes, again, another stress, another element that you have to check the rules of your defense. And that is so much about what this game is. And one of the, one of the problems the Browns' defense has, but it's something that the Browns can sort of inflict upon other other teams and you look at a team like buffalo and part of me is always sitting here going why aren't they doing this stuff uh because it's so easy for them it is a way to give josh allen some more space but yeah that's sort of what it can do um i sort of revisiting the the point of why i think some of this stuff is going to take some time donovan people's jones this might as well be the moon to him uh because michigan didn't do anything like this and obviously the browns haven't uh, Anthony Schwartz does have the advantage of playing in a Gus Malzahn system. So he's very familiar with some of that stuff. I don't think Amari Cooper's done a whole lot of this stuff. David Njoku, I don't think seen a whole lot of this stuff. So it's a lot of learning for them. And obviously they did some of this stuff in the summer, but they've sort of found their niche in what they're doing. And, and I don't think the Browns want to get too much out of this. In addition to the fact that it's very easy for us to get on the whiteboard and draw up all this crap they can do. But first and foremost, the Houston Texans game is to get Deshaun Watson comfortable, and I don't think they want to go nuts trying to do all these things that they're super excited about when really what they want to get him doing is comfortable enough, obviously win, and then be able to come back and cause some problems for the Bengals and the Ravens. Yeah, so there's the element there of of uh, everybody being on the same page, which is going to be so paramount. Making Deshaun feel comfortable uh, is, is wild and important, not just – comfortable with what they're doing, but comfortable getting plays in and out, right? The efficiency of that, having only had what? He only had two drives in the preseason, maybe only one. I can't remember if they put him out there for a second. It was a couple because it was so yeah. bad. Yeah, it was it was ugly. And, and you know, so there's not a bunch of live bullets. And yeah, it's funny, people talk about he hasn't played. He's been playing football. He's been practicing. Yes. He's been playing. So don't act like he's just been sitting at home playing, you know, the, the PlayStation. Like he's been participating. He's been participating in football for a long time here. He's going to be fine. But there are some of the management tools in a new offense, a new communicator, a new group of guys here for the first real time getting with them in those situations. So I'm sure they're going to rehearse that stuff all week as he's getting every single first team rep. But there are elements to getting him comfortable to your point, Pete, that it might not look like a fantastic wild new playbook was just acquired in the first game here. But they're worried about coming out of Texan out of the game against the Texans with a win and then putting it into two division opponents that they have to beat. And that's, that's, what's going to be more interesting. And to me, I kind of tried to note at P2, you know, he's known when he's coming back for a while, I would have to imagine he's watched every single Texans game, maybe it's punishment <laughs> really because they're, you know, way the way they are, but he should know them inside out, not only because he was there last year around it, but because he's watched it, he knew when he was coming back the same for break. He doesn't have to break down 11 opponents. He has to break down six Right. So yes, I assume, like, I'm like you. I assume he's been watching those six opponents the whole. Yeah. The whole and getting prepared for it. So I think we tried to lay it out the best we could, you know, the longer drives and the impact of shrinking the amount of drives an opponent has, you know, creating ways for not just himself to thrive offensively, but what it does to open up others. And it opens up and alleviates the 
the, the way offensive linemen feel about a snap-to-snap basis. Like, they're just a lot. And if you're just going to come at it saying he hasn't played football in forever or he's not going to help the defense, does he play on that? That's, that's just not how it works. And that's why the quarterbacks are given the amount of dollars they are because of the trickle-down effect it has on everybody else. I don't know if it's going to work out in 2022. I think they're obviously gung toward, uh, gung-ho toward making it work in 2023 and beyond. This is a period of time, especially coming into a four and seven and not maybe six and five or five and six, where the margin for error is a bit tighter. And they're really trying to make sure that he feels good about where they're going and launching into 23, where I think all the chips are going to be on the table at that point. But I mean, I feel as far as this weekend goes, Pete, I feel okay about it. I think they're going to put him in a lot of positions that they've been talking about for weeks and weeks. A reminder that and this was so good last week that, the, that they talked about this, where Jacoby was talking about that throw to Njoku in the end zone and how all of the quarterbacks are in the quarterback room talking about the plays they like and don't like, third and long, second and short, first and 10, red zone, whatever the scenario is, it's a very collaborative thing. And I am more than comfortable in thinking that Deshaun has carved out pockets of time with Stefanski to talk through this. This is not a, hey, shake hands for the first time moment. What do you want to do this week? This has been in the work. So it's it's not going to be rip the Band-Aid off style here, but there is an element of, okay, this is how it's going to feel. This is how it's going to look. This is what it's going to timing up is going to look like, all of those elements. you know. So I feel, I feel like he should put together a good performance, but I don't think the offense will look insanely different than what we've seen. Do you feel the same way about this weekend? As I said, I think um... – I think you could see some little sprinkles of things just to try to create some, some, you know, ad- advantageous situations for him. Like I said, I think Reed is an easy way to get him comfortable, uh, an easy way to potentially limit how much the defense can sort of cover him, you know, in the same way that, you know, obviously we're not there yet, but in the same way that the Ravens can make things easier for Lamar Jackson, um, because of all the stuff they can do with him and his threat with his legs. I think we're going to see some of that. But overall, the bottom line is that the the Browns don't need Deshaun Watson to perform miracles. If he does nothing but what Jacoby was doing the past 11 games, one, the Browns should beat the Texans, but two, they're still going to be a top you know, 10-whatever offense um, in general. It then becomes a matter of, we can start to do these things to sort of allow him to be him. Uh, so I do think we're going to see some, you know, zone play action, bootleg type stuff. That's easy to do with him. That it's another easy thing. And and you made the point about, uh, you know, quarterbacks sort of talking about plays that they like and don't like. And, and to Kevin's Kevin Stefanski's credit, you know, he was asked about, you know, quarterbacks liking play calls. And his response was, well, if the quarterback doesn't like it, it's probably not going to be in the game plan. So I think in a lot of ways, you know, that the fact that Deshaun's been in the building for as long as he has, has sort of already, you know, broken down or or slimmed down things a little bit in terms of where they want to emphasize and what they really want to try to do to come out this week and be successful. But, but the next, the five games after that as well. And it becomes a really good opportunity. Look, if they beat the Texans as they should five and seven, all of a sudden things can get interesting if they, they, they take that game from the Bengals or whatever. And then you can, you know, who knows, but it becomes interesting because the Browns 
are trying to still win. The players are still trying to win. I think Deshaun's presence gave the defense juice the past two weeks. I think it made them better for Buffalo, even though they ultimately sort of fell apart. I think it made them better for Tampa uh, because he's a really good quarterback and you have to go against that in scout team. It's going to make you better. But I also think the energy in the building picks up because they felt like the you know it was coming. So that's the other part about this is I do think you're going to get more out of everybody because they have – I think there's some element of the, the the real teacher is back as opposed to the sub and, oh, shit, we better take this seriously because suddenly now jobs are really on the line. If I, if I don't play well with Watson, I'm sort of screwed. So I think there's a little extra element to that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's funny you said that because I saw what Lovey Smith just said about hoping there's some rust. I mean, they, they know, they get it, they they know how good he is when he's dialed in. So, um, and I'm sure they're preparing that way. And uh, we hope to see. I mean, everybody hopes to see what a fully realized offense from Kevin Stefanski looks like. The type of offense, and this is what is so unique and different. The Chiefs are special, right? They they have a way of doing things that people typically can't stop. But they, when things get tight, Bengals game last year in the playoffs. They don't have the ability to trot out 12 personnel and run it at you if you're going to sit there and play eight DB drop looks. They don't have that ability. The the Browns now, if Watson is fully realized into who he can become, they can they can use a variety of different things: typical play action under center concepts, gun play action, read option, RPO stuff. You can get t- traditional empty West Coast uh, staples to take advantage of flooding parts of the field against coverages. Like they have the ability, if Watson, I would imagine this is the big part of why they took the risk of going after Watson doing it. They can be different week to week. They'll have an identity, but they can pick apart if it goes the way it should and they continue to get better with this quarterback can adapt to any defense's weakness and pick at it whenever they need to. And maybe even on the fly. And I got to say, if Kevin sort of yields to some of his traditional Kubiak stuff, if Deshaun adopts commits to some of the things that make Kubiak and Stefanski style stuff really great. There's an element of meshing this all together with Nick, with this offensive line into the future that has a chance to be really, really good. And, and that's, um, that's what's exciting. So hopefully you guys got a lot out of this great information from Peter reminder. You can read all of his work. SI Browns fan digest um, website, take advantage of going there every day, finding Pete stuff on his Twitter and on the website. Uh, it's all available. So, uh, you know, like I said, the, the article that Pete wrote and my article are both linked in the description. If you want to read up on this stuff more, that's all out there. And I'm sure he and I will continue to cover this thing uh, from every angle uh, into the into the future here. As there's a lot of moving parts that will come together starting this weekend. Pete, we appreciate your time, man, so much. I'll, always fun to be on with you. Okay, thanks to Pete for being here. Thanks to you guys for stopping by. It is um, Thursday, so we'll be back Friday with John Colosimo. May try to get with Jordan Zerm later in the week if schedule permits. We'll see about that. Thanks for stopping by all week, guys. If you have any questions about anything Pete and I mentioned, post in the reply to the Twitter of the uh, accounts episode, and you can get an answer from either of us because Pete will be tagged in it too, and we can delve into anything more that you would like. So thanks again for supporting the OBR and this podcast. Have a great Thursday, and go Browns.